and welcome to So You Want To Be An Engineer. I'm Katie Douglas, Director of Engineering at St Paul's School, and on behalf of the Engineering Society, I'm delighted to welcome Charles Vase to the show. Charles is a well-rounded engineer who doesn't really fall into any one category. He set up his own company called Fatenix. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk to us today, Charles. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having me, albeit virtually. It's an interesting times we have at the moment, but uh, it's, it's been good to have uh, uh, an excuse to sort of look back while, while we're in this period of sort of contemplation. Yes, yes, it is. So our interviewer today is Minsuk. Minsuk is currently in year 12 and is a member of the Engineering Society. I know that he has lots of questions prepared today for Charles, so I'm going to hand over to him. So firstly, what do you learn in mechatronics and what's the mechatronics course like in Manchester University? Oh, well, that's a good one. I mean, I think the, the first thing you learn really is what mechatronics means. It's always a word that has uh, raised a few eyebrows. I know it did at the uh, career service in terms of, you know, what is it? Uh, even some of the sort of course leaders had different ideas. And really, it's a quite a, a multidisciplinary degree. So a combination of uh, mechanical, electronic and computer science. The idea is that once you go through there, you become a... Um, conduit effectively to different team members to be able to understand areas that, that, that cross over. There's lots of systems we have now that used to be sort of purely mechanical that often have huge amounts of electronic sensing and then also intelligence on there and it's becoming a sort of growing area. Uh, at Manchester it's an interesting one, it sits in the School of Electronics or Electrical and Electronic Engineering, which means it's got a very heavy focus on the ring of electronics within it and particularly in the initial initial few years. It's typically, like many engineering degrees, it's very theory-focused in the first year. Uh, second year, you sort of start to apply that into miniature projects, make sort of um, robotic systems that follow a line, line-following buggy-type projects. Third year is slightly more applied, again, and you do an individual project. So I did um, transparent electronic devices, so things like uh, mirrors and, and windows that can have uh, visual displays on them. And that's much more sort of really using it in a practical sense. And then and then it comes to sort of the fourth year if you do a master's, which is a project-based year where you spend the entire year doing a project. Were there any like big team projects like what you did in your fourth year or your third year or part of the course or like work experiences that you've done during university that you kind of learned a lot from? Yeah, I'd say uh, you do do team projects in sort of second year, but they're very small and very structured. You, you, they're a team, but you break into sort of sub areas quite quickly. I think the, the fourth year project is the real team project and the, and the one that it's definitely um, aimed at getting you as close to the real world as possible. And it's definitely the one that in job interviews you're always referring back to because it's the one where you have to deal with a large number of people. There's about seven people in our group. I think the years have got bigger now, so they're sort of between nine and 12, which which can be uh, in its own task. And then you all sort of divide up your uh, tasks and, and some of you work together and some of you work in, in, in some teams. So, so yeah, I, I was in um, a fourth year project that was actually linked to sensing and agriculture. And I'll, I'll be honest, when I first saw it on the list, because you rank your projects that you do you wanted, and I think I got my sort of fifth or sixth out of 10 choices. And I was actually quite upset. I, I didn't know a huge amount about agriculture. I, I didn't particularly, Think it was very uh, enticing in a way I was thinking sort of old tractors and pitchforks um, which I've obviously found to sort of my my um, uh, my credit that, that actually it, that's not it at, at all and, and, and actually it was quite an interesting um, experience and journey that year we were working with looking at um, bringing sustainability for developing farmers 
So there's a it was a, a way of distance farming, allowing farmers who have sort of accommodation and, and sites kilometers away from each other to be able to to ensure they can stay sustainable in terms of amount of water they use. And we basically had a system that could monitor the the, the water level in a rice field. Um, and they could send a text and it could turn a pump on. So it was quite basic in terms of the technical aspects, but bringing it all together and then actually have, finding out what we needed to build in the first place is probably what we spent sort of half the time on, which is always the engineer's dilemma is, is finding what the question is to, to, to solve the solution. So you have a degree in mechatronics engineering and a PhD in agriculture diagnostics. Were these qualifications useful for a current job? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I say it's, a, it's a bit of a catch-22. I mean, the, the qualifications you, you you know from DCSE through to the PhD, you're you're always after the next sort of level, as it were, to, to go through this linear process. But it, it's not really like that because the job that I have is sort of a product of of the qualifications that I did, in in the such that each time I was sort of refining or focusing down on a, a small area. Um, I mean, the, the purpose of doing a PhD is you become a you know an expert in a very very thin area of 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 the sort of a quite large industry and I think my job came out of that really I think each time I was either picking something new up or dropping something else you know you've only got a finite amount of space in your head or a number of hours in the day so um, I think in my position now I effectively took my PhD and 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 and, and rolled it out uh, into stuff that I was doing alongside it in terms of sort of enterprise. So, so yeah, I would say it is it it has been useful, but I imagine there'll be people that follow the similar path that didn't fall into my job in the end. Could you tell us more about your current job? Yes, yeah. Uh, well, I probably class myself more as an entrepreneur than an engineer these days, um, only because um, when I have a team of engineers who are, are very much better at that me uh, at what they do, which is by design. Uh, and so, really, the what I first working in a startup, you get lots of roles. So, if, if I gave you a business card, it would say managing director. But what does that mean? You know, it's I'm the same person that that overlooks on the design, uh, uh, that cleans the floor when the growth chambers leak. You know, so it's 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 a it's, it's a broad role. But effectively, what what I do is is run the company for Tenix, and, and we design. Um, sensing technology for agriculture that allows uh, machinery and equipment to operate in a target fashion. So we work with the likes of um, the breeding industry so that they could detect disease earlier in, in the plants and develop new crop varieties, um, right through to we've got some new um, robotics companies that are looking at harvesting fruit and they want ways of detecting which fruits could be rejected, which fruits are ripe and which fruits might have disease on. So we're quite focused. We basically supply cameras, but it ends up being a sort of a, how can we fit our abilities into a solution um, that our customers will pay for. So what do you do on a daily basis? At, at the moment, it's, it's an interesting one, obviously. What I do is, is all remotely, but the, the, the nice thing is we, we've always had distance working. Um, you always find that getting hold of very, very talented engineers is always quite difficult. But I mean, if you're willing to let people sort of work from different areas of the country it's, it's it's easier so a lot of time is spent even before the, these times was on sort of web chats or, or phones to catch up with with people and, and see where they are um agriculture is all over the world so sometimes we, we fly over we've been to sort of um north america canada and, and, and china obviously at the moment that's that's not so easy but 
Um, I'd say for me on a typical day is it's sort of split between maintenance of the company, so financial and, and sort of governance, so to make sure we're working, make sure there's enough money in the account for the next few months to pay everyone's bills, and then overseeing of the technical areas. The technology that we use, the core one, actually came out of my um, PhD. So I'm answering for a lot of questions of things that, 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 that don't work or for reasons why they are. Um, so, so I always get involved in that. But I think there has been, a, particularly in the past year, a, a time for me to step back because we have some very able um, people. And it's for me to say, well, actually, this wasn't the best approach. So let's use a different one. It's, it's taken some, uh, some time to do that. So what set of skills would you say are the most important for your current job? I think in terms of what's most important, I think is being able to take on broad things or take things that you're not very good at. I mean, as I tried to salute you before, there's lots of different roles and, and getting into sort of financial modeling and things was, was, was it's interesting, um, but knowing how to actually then apply that and, and the sort of legal implications of that it has been hard, but I think the nice thing about being doing engineering, particularly such a broad range of engineering, I would go into a new module having no idea. The, the transparent electronics was basically a fundamental chemistry module for, for part of it. And you have to sort of go in knowing that you know very little about it, but your job is to pick up just enough to be able to make something that works and still maintain your sort of core areas elsewhere. So I think it's really knowing what you don't know and being comfortable with that. And there's always time. The nice thing about doing a PhD is the purpose is you identify those and you go and find them out and you keep exploring. Um, when you get into the real world, it's a bit faster than that. So you have to decide what is worth exploring and, uh, and what isn't, um, which is something I'm, I'm still learning to do properly at the moment. So what were the biggest challenges you faced when building your own startup? This is an interesting question and one you get asked a, a lot, I think. Um, people ask why, or would you do it again? And, and it's, I think the challenges are very similar for everyone that, that does it. I think it depends on what type of person you are, which one do you find the most challenging? To sort of explain that rather cryptic uh, response, what I mean is it's quite can be quite solitary, quite lonely, even though I had a, a co-founder myself. Uh, my co-founder had a part-time job or full-time job at the university there. Um, and so it was being able to, to know that I was going to be traveling alone a lot, which I didn't mind so much. But then there's a question of, well, you have to second guess yourself an awful lot, because if you're making decisions on the fly, you're the one that's going to have to answer for them later. And it's, it's the equivalent of having the ultimate freedom. It's like if I said, you don't have to go to any of your classes at St. Paul's again, but you're responsible for what happens at the end and everyone you, you end up going anyway and you have to sort of decide but it's that sort of self-cycle of self-judgment which i think i found quite quite difficult um because it's very easy to go down a completely different uh, you know rabbit hole and, and get things wrong so uh, i think most challenging is, is that is, is really learning to sort of become your own worst enemy as it were and what convinced you the most to have a career related to agriculture diagnostics i've always been interested in imaging uh, even at, at, at um at school, I did a sort of motion-sensitive security camera or, or, or thing as such, and I think that that followed through. I did actually have an interest in biology, but it didn't quite fit in. I didn't know how that would fit into um, engineering, so I didn't take it through to A-level. And lo and behold, it came back and, and, and haunted me later on. So I think what I like to do areas that I enjoy. 
I was always a student that, that, that picks up the ones that I enjoy and that I excel at and sort of drop the other ones, much to the dismay of many, many of my teachers. Um, the nice thing about that is you quickly find out what you sort of want to do because you sort of look back at what you what you have in terms of sort of uh, degrees, accreditations or, or, or A-levels. And I think the nice thing about agriculture is that I, I know what I'm meant to be helping towards. I know that uh, even though we're in a focused area, that in the end, working towards the sort of sustainable thing is not something that I have to sort of convince myself to get up in the morning for. And when we're looking to employ, we find it very easy because we have quite a strong drive to be able to sort of reduce the amount of chemicals that we use and increase the efficiency of, of our farming. And, and everyone likes tasty food. The amount of sort of tomatoes and strawberries we've been going through as well, this, this um, the season has been quite uh, quite extraordinary. And lastly, do you have any advice for a pupil currently in school thinking about studying engineering in the future? I think, and this would, would definitely be due to my own sort of experience, there are so many different flavours of engineering. I'd say that your sort of engineering is unique, it's your own personality. So I wouldn't let someone dictate that. And what I mean by that is you're going to be given a lot of advice over what uh, modules to take or even what degree to do or even back to sort of the A-level decisions and the question is you're the one that's going to become the engineer so you need to listen to all of those the people that are telling you obviously have a lot of um, experience in doing so but understand that you're the one that has to live with the consequences and I'll give you an example I had to fight uh, tooth and nail at St Paul's to be able to do design technology as an A-level because it wasn't offered um, and it caused an absolute nightmare with timetables. Um, I actually sort of had to start a different module and, and, and sort of finish it mid, mid semester then, but obviously it's back in the uh, terms. And then actually I still use the practical skills that I learned during that A-level to, to this day. Um, and it's something that particularly as engineers, I find with the amount of technology and modeling, the, I spent a bit of time doing teaching at the university before I went out to industry. And, and you notice a lot of students with a very, good application in theory and modeling, but they build design things in, in, in sort of mechanical CAD software that you can't make physically and you wouldn't know that until you've done it. So I, I'd say do do pursue what you're good at and what you want because you never you'll never know that later on you look back and go, oh that's why I can do this. Well that's why I'm different. Um, because you you end up becoming sort of your own individual in that sense. Thank you. I think that was really interesting. And I particularly liked how you said there were lots of different flavours of engineering, because that's something we're really trying to kind of bring across with this podcast. And I also like the fact that you shouldn't judge an engineering discipline by its cover, so to speak, because agricultural engineering is not just tractors and pitchforks, people. Um, we actually interviewed Kit Franklin on the podcast, and he is an agricultural engineer. And what he does is fascinating. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Charles. It was great. And thank you, Min Soak, for doing such fantastic questions. No problem. Thanks, Katie. I wish you all the best. So You Want to Be an Engineer is produced by Katie Douglas and is edited by Arthur Jenkins. It's a production of the St Paul School Engineering Society. If you would like to be on the show or would like to know more about Engineering Society, then you can email us on engineering at stpaulschool.org.uk. Hold up. 